Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Welcome to episode two of Following On County Cricketer. I'm John Norman from TalkSport, alongside George DeBell and Nick Friend from The Cricketer, and uh, a very familiar name, of course, uh, Steve Harmison. Uh, Between us, every week, we are bringing you uh, a YouTube show, a radio show, and a podcast, uh, all at the same time, dropping into your inbox or wherever uh, you consume um, your uh, county cricket chat at 5am every single Thursday, and it's on TalkSport 2 at 9am. So, for the next uh, couple of months at least, this is... uh, well, I suppose it's your safe space, really. We don't have to pretend that we like something that we don't, and we don't have to pretend uh, that we don't like something that we do. We certainly do like county cricket. That will be uh, the focus of this show throughout the summer. So we'd like you to get involved as well. We've got a couple of questions uh, that uh, popped up on social media this week. Uh, so I'll be asking uh, that of uh, Nick and George and Harmy later in the show. So please leave a review, subscribe and leave a question and uh, we will get back to you next week. There's only one story, though, before we get going on all the county action, um, that has dominated things, and that is the appointment of Rob Key as the new managing director uh, at uh, the ECB. So, George DeBell, is that something that you think that county cricket should be uh, fearful of or something that it should be looking forward to? Well, I don't think it's anything to be fearful of. Uh, I I, I think he's been around in the county game one way or another for a very long time. I think he respects it, but I also think he's aware of its uh, challenges and and, uh, faults. Uh, I think it could have been a lot worse. All I would say is that um, while definitely respecting that he seems like a, a sensible, good guy, if you want someone to land a plane... You don't necessarily just look for a good guy you, or a good person. You look for someone who's qualified. And there aren't any qualifications there, are there? I mean, there is no experience in, in the role. There's uh, no experience in coaching. There's no experience in administration. It, it does strike me as odd that he's uh, got the job. Uh, and I think it is, to some extent, a reflection on the fact that very few people wanted it, which is in itself a reflection on the state of the ECB and the county game, probably. But I think he is a good person and a sensible person. And if you're going to be optimistic, which you might as well be, uh, you would think that uh, he brings a freshness to it uh, and won't deal in management speak like some of those who have been his predecessors. So on balance, 
I would say that I'm... Uh, I, I would think the county game, to answer your question, shouldn't be fearful of him. I think it's a person they could do business with. What about you, Harmy? I imagine that you're, uh, you're not going to slam the appointment of one of your best mates at this, uh, this high-profile position at English cricket? No, definitely not. I think, I think it's one, a freshness, like George said, a different pair of eyes from the administration side. I'd like to think he'll deal in um, decision-making and let administrators do the paperwork and do all that side of it. The biggest thing I think he has to do is now try and get, once Harrison's gone, it's a clean slate from, from an ECB, from a, from that the cricketing point of view. And I think from that side of it, that's where they've got to get it, get it right and get it important because at the minute, there's too much counties against ECB, yeah, all the, the infighting's got to stop and the good of the game's got to come together. And if Kizzy can bring that, then we've got a chance of going forward. If we can't get that, then we'll go four or five down, years down the line of a director of cricket not being able to impl- implement the things that really benefit English cricket because county chairmen will not get on board. Um, and I think that's the biggest challenge. And from there... If he gets that right, then I think he's off and running and he's he's got a good chance of making sure county cricket is where we want it to be in a few years' time, which is producing England players. Um, George, I'm not sure if it was a metaphor or an uh, analogy or a simile. I get really confused about, about what's what. But you made the uh, comparison with piloting an aeroplane. Now, let's go back to Storm Eunice. I'm not sure if you, uh, if you were watching that YouTube show which was basically one camera fixed at Heathrow Airport as the planes were coming in um, at an angle and they're having to abort and it was like the worst possible kind of conditions that you could uh, land an aeroplane in. Nick, is that a metaphor slope, uh, analogy slope, simile for essentially what Rob Key is going to have to do with county cricket? Or do you just think, leave it alone, we're always complaining about this unwieldy schedule and actually the, the, the problem's... It's don't look here, look over there. It's just leave county cricket as it is. Ironically, I was on one of those planes, so I, I feel I've got first-hand experience of, of that <laughs> particular day, um, being dropped out of the sky from 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 height. Um, I don't think the fact that we complain about the scheduling all the time means that we should just say that we complain about it all the time and we move on with our lives. I think I think there's got to be an acceptance that the scheduling is too much. I mean, you know, just speaking to players over the winter, who said that it, you know talked about the importance of doing all their sort of technical work in the off-season because once it starts, you know, you, you don't get the time to, to reset or readjust. And if you're out of Nick, you're out of Nick. And the only time to to get back into Nick is, you know, walking out to bat at 11.30 in a championship game. That's not that's not how you breed the best players, is it? You know, if you, if, you, if your game needs work, there, there does need to be a time when you can actually do, you know, do something to it that's, that isn't between October and, and, and March. So... I think the scheduling. I think it's an open. It's the worst kept secret of the game. Is that the scheduling does need work, and that will be an enormous part of. I mean, that I guess that when you attach it to everything else that that Key will have to work on is is the biggest part of the gig, isn't it? Because that that obviously will, will whatever the schedule looks like will work around what what the formats are like, and and you know what the different competitions are like, and whether you're playing fourteen championship games or ten or or sixteen is in the past or whatever, and then. You know, then you're looking at the blast and whether you know how many how many group games are going to be in that, and then obviously you've got looking forward and 50 over World Cup coming up. So do we go back to a Royal London Cup that you know that that, that includes all the best players, or do we or do we, just, do we stick with what we've got at the moment? So I, I don't think you can ignore the scheduling for, for for lots of reasons. I mean, and 
and therefore that will be it has to be among it has to be the top priority once they've got a team in place and obviously at the moment it feels like a very you know I don't think you can make any of those calls without you know having a head coach and having a selector and having an England captain I know they're not part of you know I know that will be on Keyes' plate rather than theirs but but you do need to know where you're sort of going with all this before before you start making really big decisions so I mean who was you know who really was James Taylor the most you know influential man in a position of power before before Rob Key was appointed last week, like that, that that vacuum, I think has to get sorted before anything else. But I'd, I'd certainly say that the scheduling does have to be addressed rather than just sort of turn a blind eye, blind eye to because because it's always been this way. Because I don't think it has as well. I mean, certainly not to this extent. I'm I'm not sure it's a real job. You know, I've got this theory, Normo, that uh, English cricket keeps inventing roles which don't really exist. Joss Butler at number seven, being a specialist batter, would be one. But you remember when their support staff extended to a woman who made balloon animals and a toperist and all these sorts of things. And I, and I think it's pretty much the same with this job. You know, we're talking about what they have to do. Ashley Giles didn't decide, decide the domestic schedule. He didn't decide the international schedule. He didn't decide the availability of players on a regular basis. What did he do? I'll tell you what he did. He was a human shield for Tom Harrison. If that's all Rob Key is, it doesn't matter who you appoint. You, you, you could have appointed a sheep. And they've probably been a lot less expensive. Um, okay. Also, by the way, who, who appointed him? Whose well, decision I, was it? I was, I was going to ask you a quick question as well. We've got to get on with the show, really. But following a rigorous recruitment process, can you tell me how many people were interviewed for the job, George? No, I can't. But, but uh, do you know, in a way, I don't even know who to ask. <laughs> well, yeah. But on that, on that, and I'm going to, obviously, I, I'm not defending... The person here, because yeah, Kizzy, I think is, I think Kizzy's got the right mindset to go into this job where he plays a fool, but he doesn't suffer fools, and I think that's the biggest trait that Kizzy's got. I think if Kizzy goes in there and he will tell people what to do, and if he wants to be involved in reshaping things, he will go and do that. He'll not go in there thinking, yeah, he's just a human shield. Now, nowhere shape or form. I know Rob Key more than anybody else. And I think from from that point of view, that's why I think he's he's a good person to go in. The problem I've got with where it goes from here is, is he the one that's going to appoint the next down the line to get the ducks in a row to make sure things are going going forward? And can he have the right? And I, and I don't think it is as simple as just changing this, changing that, changing the other. At the end of the day, English cricket, parts of English cricket are at rock bottom. And that's something that needs to be addressed and move forward. And I think that's what he'll do. And But from... From what George is saying about Tom Harrison, that is a valid point. I, I think Ashley Giles was a, a human shield for Tom Harrison, and that's why this role has to be more, has to be defined more, and has to be obviously a has a lot more um, authority in making cricket better. Because I don't think that was in the past. I agree with all that, and because of that, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Rob Key, because he's a, a good and honourable person, wouldn't be at all surprised if he quit before Christmas in frustration. It's not a real job at the moment. Well, we shall see. Shall we get on with the show, guys? Yeah. Let's hear the uh, the top line from week two of the county championship. The top line. Let's start with Nick because he, he wants to talk about James Bracey, so we should probably just get it out of the way, I imagine. Uh, Nick, over to you. Well, my, my top line was more general than him, but I just noticed, I mean, this is probably saying the bleeding obvious, but a lot of very good players playing very well which 
I think it was probably quite important at the start of the season because there's so much there's so much scrutiny around the championship at the moment. That actually, you know, if you can churn out a week, whether a double tons with Pujara and Masood and Ollie Pope gets back to you know tunning up at the Oval and Marcus Harris comes in and makes a very good hundred on debut, having only get, got into the country on I think, it was on I think it was on Monday. You know, Harry Brook, who's been a lot talked about over the winter getting a hundred. Matt Parkinson, who spoke the, the previous week about lack of opportunities with England, sort of the, the amount of touring he's done, the lack of playing and. And, you know, going straight back into Lanks and doing what he's done brilliantly for them the last couple of years, and almost especially early season. I was at Gloucester to watch Dad Milan basically break the back of a chase for Yorkshire. In his first game back, uh, Ben Duckett got big runs of losing calls. And then you've got Bracey, who got his second time of the season that, that, frankly, was the only reason that game went sort of two and a half sessions into the final day. I mean, and others as well. I mean, there was, I think it's quite reassuring to see. Obviously, other people, I mean, there's the other argument, which is that this shows the gap that, that exists and it probably does to an extent but, but you know among that list there are some very very good players who doing well in county cricket in April you know does show a pretty decent competition I think and it will change obviously when you know when guys go away and international stuff starts and international equipments take over but I mean Chilina Freely makes his debut tomorrow or, or Thursday rather against Marlis Labuschagne at, at Glamorgan so that's you know another pretty decent matchup for, for the game to have and um, no I mean I was at I was at Bristol. It wasn't just Bracey, to be honest. I mean, Harris Ralph was, I think we'll touch on later in the show as well, was was fascinating to watch him. It was only his fifth first class game, but sort of watching someone that skillful was, um, and that quick as well. I mean, Bracey for his 177 was hit a couple of times on the head pretty hard, I think, by by Ralph. But um, but no, it was a, oh, Bracey, it was, it was pretty high class, to be honest. I mean, you know, that's a pretty good Yorkshire attack. Matt Fisher, who looked a very good bowler on the back of his England winter. Then he's got Don Bess as well, who's, Played a fair bit of international cricket now, um, held up an end very well. But Bracey, 177, no, played beautifully. And I reckon was only another half an hour, 40 minutes, probably another 10 overs, sort of defiance away from possibly saving that game. Sort of leaving Yorkshire not enough time to chase 230, 240. But, um, but no, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was a terrific game of cricket. And as I say, two, two tons and two games for a bloke who was sort of written off this, this time last year is a very commendable effort and as, as, as I said last week a, a far better player than what happened last last summer What about you George? Unrewarded excellence Oh yes that's what I went for isn't it as the mm. theme of the round and uh, James Bracey was one of the people who had done well in a losing course, uh, cause uh, Ben Duckett almost no mention of him almost got 100 in both innings Ben Compton batted really well and uh, perhaps the one that stands out the most is uh, Craig Overton, who uh, I was at that game at Taunton, and he took, I think it was 13 for 87. And he, I'd like to say he proved a bit of a point in the process. I'm not sure he did, because it's not as if people at Taunton aren't aware of what he can do and how good he is. Uh, but whether that translates... Look, it was a really fun game. It was a, a spirit-reviving game. Actually, it was a spirit-reviving round of games. But that that game was such fun, uh, and I'm and I'm not criticising the pitch because it was a fun pitch and it was it wasn't like the bounce went up and down, but it did seem. I mean, I asked Craig whether he'd ever played on a test surface like that, and he and he thought there had been one at Leeds that was anywhere near. But basically, you you could play fifty tests and not play on a wicket like that. I think so. It 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 gave him some help, and he was magnificent. He absolutely looked like a test bowler. And I don't know what you make of that, because he didn't really, did he, in the Caribbean? Homie? Yeah, mine was young guns fire, um, seeing all these young players. And this is the this is the challenge for, like we talked about Rob Key, the challenge for the next regime coming in, 
to try and find a way of bridging a gap between first-class cricket and test-match cricket. Young Haynes at Sussex, you know, 243 second innings. The thing for me that I, out of that was, yes, it's a fantastic innings, but you put a 340-plus run partnership on with Pajara. The education in that alone, just standing 22 yards away from a bloke who's got ridiculous amounts of test hundreds, a mindset of international test match batting, that that's more valuable. That's more valuable than getting 243 for me because of the you know the little bounce back between overs and talking to somebody who has been there and done it and you want to do that yourself that that for me was great you mentioned all the the others Duckett, Brooke, Pope getting some runs you know Fisher and you know getting some wickets you know Potts getting wickets but the moment of the week for me was that the just deflation of Craig Overton as a bowler myself on his knees a picture of I think it was one of the one of the Essex batters just patting him on the back you know more or less saying nearly the Freddie Brett Lee moment of you know, what an effort you've just produced, but unfortunately you're on the losing side. That just tells you the gap is is enormous between first-class cricket and, and test-match cricket because here is a guy who bowled his heart out, 13 wickets, unbelievable, great effort against a, a decent batting unit as well in Essex. And over the course of a six-month period in the winter, um, looked as though he was he was, he was was a little bit short of a gallop when it comes to the test-match arena. So... But for me, the, the the title of the week was Young Guns Fire because there's some good young players in England over the course of the last two weeks who have produced performances. Um, and hopefully that'll carry on. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, I'm going to pull rank. And my top line and the top line for the week is Glamorgan and Surrey upset form books to open up title races in both divisions because uh, <laughs> you couldn't move for Nottinghamshire winning Division 2 and Hampshire winning Division 1. So uh, I think I think it's brilliant for the county championship that an unheralded Wait name there. like Surrey and uh, <laughs> they're never an underdog, are they? They're never an okay. underdog. Hey, they haven't won the county championship for at least four years. Um, but look, I think I think Glamorgan for me, uh, you know, beating Nottinghamshire the way that they did, just showing that there is there's going to be competition in that in that uh, division. And look, Harmy called it last week. Surrey's first 11 beats Hampshire's first 11. But why on earth did Hampshire decide to bowl first? I don't know. Anyway, we are moving on to moments of the week. Moments of the week. OK, guys, well, look, Twitter was ablaze. Um, certainly the cricketer social media feed was ablaze with that video of Matt Parkinson. He was one player I don't think we mentioned in uh, in the top line, but... Is there more of a clamour for any other player to uh, to play for England than than Parky? No, that's a good question. I mean, uh, well, right now, probably not. Um, Apart from Anderson abroad, maybe. But no, but uh, 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 yeah, an uncapped Test debut. Uh, it's what happened with um, Alex Hales, I suppose. Uh, and to, to some extent, it's because new is always better. To some extent, it's because he's got a sexy skill, which leg spin is. And to some extent, it's because if England keep on doing the same old, they'll get the same old. So it is various things coming together. The key thing, I think, is he keeps improving. And I think I said this last week. Uh, I think when he first got into the England setup, he was miles away from being even a county bowler, I think. And he is working. He is working with good coaches. He's now getting to bowl quite a lot as well. And he's beginning to deliver. I say again, you're going to have to be patient with him if he plays Test cricket because he will go, he will bowl some bad balls. He is a young leggy, got to be reasonable. 
Uh, and a highlights package of leg spinners is not always the most um, accurate portrayal of exactly what they do, because bowling and batting, everything in life, is as much about what you don't do as what you do. George, can I, can I, purples, can but, I jump uh, in on that? that yeah, do, I, jump. The one thing I'd say on Parkinson, yep. actually, is that I think... I actually think his highlights reels are probably more more un, more unfair to him than most. And that he's bowled the, he bowled the Rossington ball last year and the Rulins ball, and he got those wickets uh, last week. But actually, I think the thing that's most impressive with him is he doesn't bowl many bad balls. He goes at he bowled twenty overs for thirty nine. The first thing is at Kent. I mean, this time last year he's at seven for at Kent on a flat one that didn't that, that hardly turned at all. I remember speaking to him afterwards, and he it was the week after he bowled that ball to Rossington that everyone said was sort of you know the county worn ball kind of thing, and actually. He was far more chuffed with the seven foot because he bowled 50 overs for 120, hardly bowled a bad ball, hardly spun one, but it meant that he had to, you know, set batters up. So go quicker, quicker, quicker at the stumps, then wider of off stump and then have guys caught cover, that kind of thing. And I actually think he's a far more skillful bowler than what the viral clips will give him credit for because he, as any leg spinner, he will bowl balls at pitch leg and hit off. But that's not, as you say, that's not the game. Like, the game is being able to do... If England are going to pick him as a sole spinner, for example, he's going to be able to hold up an end in the first innings when it's not doing so much. And actually, I think he's far better placed to do that than many many know and many give him credit for. Because, put it this way, he wouldn't be bowling the overs he bowls in April for Lancashire in the temperatures more than anything that he's doing it in if he, if he couldn't hold up an end. Yeah, and I, I, I almost think we almost see him as the wrong kind of spinner because we've seen these videos of him. And actually, what he's been very, very good at for Lanks... Is, is doing that is doing the dirty work almost and doing it quite unfashionably and then when it does rag he will rag it but actually he's you know doesn't bowl many googlies but I think he got Zach Crawley with one last week but he um but yeah predominantly just doesn't bowl much rubbish and then when it does start spinning he comes into he properly comes into his own but yeah I think he's I think he's far readier than people might believe because of what we assume of the skill set if that makes sense what uh, what are the moments of the week are we gonna if we have Parkinson we're only allowed three. Parkinson's one of them. Harmy, what other uh, what Compton, other moments of the week would be in there? I think yeah, I think Compton. I think, so. I think um, just quickly to finish on Parkinson, I agree with George when he said he probably wasn't ready for first class cricket when he first came into the England setup. I think he has. If any if anybody's deserved a a chance after being on tours and working, and he's worked extremely hard. I've seen that firsthand from a fitness point of view. That comes with it. The other thing to come with the leg spinner is. If England don't have a fast bowler, they have to pick Parkinson. They can't pick Broad Anderson Leach and go through the whole you know, wokes, Overton, all that. They need something different. So if you do go back to Broad and Anderson, you can pick Parkinson. The problem you've got is then you've probably got four number 11s batting in the, in the batting order. That's something that England would then have to, to have a think about. But you need something different to then go. And I think from that point of view, he might then get, that might, that might be the swinger that gets him into the game. But my... One of mine would be Young Compton. Hayne's got a double hundred, Bracey hundred and seventy-seven. We know Pope can bat at the oval, but Young Compton is—it's it, such a difficult thing. Not only to get a hundred in the first innings, but then to mentally to go again and get yourself back in and get going again, and in a losing cause to get a hundred in the second innings. And by the way, he was never out. I've seen clips of that. It's a shocker. That is an absolute <laughs> shocking decision. He was nowhere near out. Yeah, you know, the round of wicket. He's, to be fair to him, he's trying to pull a, a half volley. But it's hit him miles outside of Stone. But fair play to the young lad. Hopefully he continues. He's got 100 in the first game. Got 100 in each innings. That's, that's no mean feat. You ask Alex Stewart who got it in a test match. 
Henry Jennings is no mean feat, so for me, young Compton has to get a special mention. I think the, one thing yeah, yeah. the only other thing to say on Compton as well is that beyond this game, beyond I guess the last fortnight, he didn't have a first class hundred before the start of this year, and he's you know he's twenty eight. He's done it. He's done it the untraditional route, isn't he? He he didn't pull up any trees at knots. He took himself off to Zimbabwe, did a load of odd jobs to save up the money to go and travel. He's played a lot of club cricket. He played for played for Richmond and Middlesex, I think, for a while. He's very much done the the untraditional route to, I guess, to sort of making it work. And I think it's a pretty decent example of not everyone sort of, you know, developing at the same rate, peaking at the same point. To be 28 and not have a first-class ton at the start of the year and now to have, I think he's got six, because I think he went, he's averaging about 130 for the year because he smashed it in Zimbabwe's domestic competition as well. So fair play to anyone who keeps on plugging away. And he's probably got in, he was pretty, when, when Kent signed him, I imagine a lot of Kent fans would look at it and gone, you know, why we bring this guy in? He's, he's not got much first-class record. He's not young. He's not done it at knots. You know, surely we've got better in our own, own, own academy. But actually to to come in, sort of to take that chance, knowing that if it doesn't go well this time, that's probably the end of you as a, as a professional cricketer. It's, I think it's no mean feat to sort of have that resilience to keep going and then to properly grab it with both hands when the chance does come. Here's well, a funny thing. Paul, Paul um, Downton's doing a good job as director of cricket at Kent. <laughs> Downton for England, is that what you're saying, yeah, John? For England. <laughs> no one's saying that. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about England, shall we? Because uh, it's time for Race to Lords. Race to Lords. So, Rory Burns, uh, really poor shot. He was out for 28. Ollie Pope. Ollie Pope hit a century, didn't he? He's still out. He's he gone past does. his it's... average at the Oval. He's also gone past his he average does, against, Hampshire. against Hampshire as well. He's yeah. never scored a he's never scored a hundred north of the Thames. Can he do it on a Tuesday night up north? Is essentially uh, well, apparently not. I was going to say on Pope, remarkably, Pope has scored. He scored nine hundred twenty first class runs against Hampshire and no more than three hundred against anyone else. I think he's got. <laughs> I think it's five tons in seven games against him now. He just rocks up and and obviously he's got his overall record as well. So that was the most inevitable hundred of all time, I think. I think so. Uh, ben Folks, he's, he's doing the do's. Um, he, he weighed in with a, another score. Bracey, of course, James Bracey with that 177, four catches as well. Don Bess, uh, a wicket in uh, both innings and 36. Adam Lythe, 52 and four. Jack Leach played, but didn't play. He didn't bowl in either innings. Uh, Matt Parkinson, four for 66 and three for 92. Should we mention Josh Bahannon? Is he is he there or thereabouts? He made 19. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. The thing I like about on. Bahannon, he's gone from he's gone higher up the order to give him a chance. And I'm not sure if it was Ricky Ponton or Shane Warne had said, if you want to play for England, go and bat number three for your first class county and that'll give you a better chance because that's where it's tougher. So good on him. Fair play. Zach Crawley. Uh, well, we all saw his dismissal against Parkinson, but he did hit 54 in first innings. Dan Lawrence, 17. Uh, that was probably top score in the second <laughs> innings against Somerset. Yeah, weighted runs. And, uh, well, we mentioned, yeah, we mentioned him earlier. Yeah, weighted runs, yeah. Seven for 57 and six for 30 in a losing cause for Craig Overton. Am I missing anybody? Is there any yes. other... Uh... Milan, Go Milan on, got 60 me. odds. Well, I, I mean, I could say Duckett and Clark, but the one I want to most say is Jamie Overton. Well, the, I was wondering whether my Surrey bias was going to be coming in. I mean, he well, or my he Somerset was... bias, because obviously well, he's a Somerset player, just who's been borrowed well, by Surrey for a little bit. That is but very, the, very the point true. is that he was out of the side a week ago uh, because he was bowling uh, without the accuracy required. But he has the skills that could unlock Test teams, and what you saw. In that game, I mean, 
the the ball that got I think it was Liam Dawson out. <laughs> it's just a thing of great beauty. It's quick. It's accurate. It swings. You know, basically pitches middle and off and hits top of off. I think a beautiful bowling. Uh, he he does have a bit more pace than his brother. He has a bit more pace than most people in county cricket. He's not Mark Wood quick, but he's pretty sharp. And um, there's a lot to like. They can bat a bit as well, of course. So um, I, I think he is worth keeping an eye on. There was more pressure on him as well, wasn't it? Because Kemar Roach yeah. went off injured as well. So to, that when Roach went off injured, that didn't look like an easy game to win, given given the run Surrey had on the boards would suggest that it wasn't a bad oval pitch. Well, I think Amler had said it wasn't a 300 for three pitch after day one. So maybe it was slightly better for bowling than, than Hampshire made it look. But, um, but yeah. Anybody but else? He, he got the new ball in the second innings as well, which is... Well, do you want to talk more about Craig Overton? And what's different? Yeah. Well, here's the thing, that both he and the Somerset coaches reckoned that his action had come apart a wee bit in the Caribbean. Mm. And the key thing about that is they reckoned that he wasn't bowling at full pace. So Jason Kerr, who seems a sensible fellow, reckoned that at his absolute best he could bowl mid to late 80s. Now, I can't honestly say I've seen that. But he definitely did look as if he were getting a bit more pace. Now, whether you could tell with the naked eye on a lively green seamer at Taunton, I, I couldn't honestly tell you. But but they, they, they had, specifically, they were saying that he was falling away in delivery. Interesting, hey? Can I chuck in another yeah, similar, a guy, another similar guy with another similar profile after winter was, yeah, I was at Bristol watching Matt Fisher and he, he took four for 19 and 15 overs on the first day and the first ball of the season was just back for length and Bristol's not known for its pace. And the first ball of the season was taken in one hand by Harry Duke over his head from back of a length, flying through from Fisher. And he, and that surprised everyone on the ground. But at the end of play, he said that just having, just having made that England deep debut, bear in mind he made his, he made his Yorkshire debut at 15, didn't he? I, mean, I think I think if you start that young and that's been your goal for so long and then, then you know, he's had the injuries and all the difficulties around it, he just said it was a massive weight lifted from his shoulders and he bowled like a bloke who, who knew he was now an England cricketer, if that makes sense. He... He looked. I mean, Harmer. I don't know if you spoke to, to to Goffey about him, but he he was excellent. Really, really good for that. Um, certainly, that first innings, especially. And he, but he spoke as well about how pre pre England over the winter. So I think pre Lions tour, he'd studied himself. He'd gone back and watched his own footage. Decided he reckoned that his run up didn't let him get as quick as he wanted to. Basically, so went and worked with John Lewis at Loughborough, and I think it was Rich Pyro who was bowling coach at the time at Yorkshire said to them he wanted to extend his run-up, extended his run-up, reckons he's added an extra half yard. And that's all sort of his own self-analysis of where he thought his game was at and where he thought his game could get to with with what he was doing previously. And I think, um, yeah, he looked he looked really, really good for, um, you know, Blake's not played a lot of first-class cricket, but he looked very promising. As he says, just looked like he knew he was now an international cricketer, you know, running into bowling county cricket. Harmy, you would have coached him, wouldn't you, when you were with Goffey? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, more, more. It wasn't so much the coaching side of it. We weren't there for very long, so there was you're never going to try and change anything. It was more encouragement, putting little sort of mindset challenges inside of what potentially is going to come in in, in Test match cricket. Talking about bowling in the Caribbean, you know, the lens that you you've got to hit and how you hit them. Um, I also just look at it pressure. That thing between the left and the right ear, it's amazing because. You can go to Taunton on a green one and think you're bowling at 88 mile an hour. You can go to Bristol on a green one and hit, hit the witty keeper's gloves above his head. Very first ball and think, not a problem at all. When you get to Lords in front of 30,000 people and your backside's going, 
and somebody who was at the other end with a bat in his hand who was very, very good and got test match hundreds, it's a completely different game. And for me, you can have all the skills in the world. You've got to be able to handle the pressure. And I think that's where the England side have struggled in, in recent recent past. And I think this is what the bowler has to be ready to go in technically yeah, as, as good as he possibly can be. And I don't think Craig was in that position come Caribbean. I think Matt Fisher, was like, he was ready when he got to the Caribbean and I thought he bowled very, very well on a flat, flat pitch. I think he would have caused problems in Grenada if he had done that. And again, it's about getting the volume into you and then it's turning up and doing your job when the pressure's on. And that, for me, is the difference between the good and the great. I mean, the, the, the sort of great don't feel the pressure. And unfortunately, the good, the ones that are good in first-class cricket, they're the ones that don't make that step up for the simple fact is they've got all the tools, can't handle the pressure. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Brilliant stuff. Okay, we're going to get to a new section of the show every week. We're going to be answering your questions. We've got some from Twitter, but get them involved or get yourself involved on YouTube as well via uh, Harmy's YouTube channel. Or drop us a note on uh, Twitter. You should see our handles at the bottom of the screen. But it's time for The Mailbag. The Mailbag. Paul Williams asks, is Jamie the Overton we should be looking at, not Craig? Um, We've kind of discussed this a little bit. But if I was to ask you, I'll just ask one of you these questions, okay? Because I don't think we've got enough time for all three of or all four of us uh, to give opinions on every single question. But uh, So I'll start with you, Harmy. Which Overton will get the most caps playing for England at the end of their career, Jamie or Craig? Craig. Uh, for me, Craig, he's got them already. Jamie was... We had Jamie on TalkSport 2 on the Cricket Collective the other night, and I don't think he was scheduled to play this round of games. Maybe that's the thing. It's a psychological thing. that he, he, 20 minutes before, he got told he was playing. Bang, he went in, did the business. Under pressure because Kemar was not there. Bang, that could be the, you know, the, the thing that that resurrects and turns his career. But he didn't play early part of the season because he was a bit wayward. England don't pick wayward bowlers, unfortunately. This is, this is You've got to bowl 80 mile an hour and you've got to bowl it in and around off stump. If not, you don't get a game. And unfortunately, anybody with a... You know, unless you're Mark Wood, unless you're Joffrey Archer, Ollie Stone in a push, England aren't looking at them sort of bowlers. Uh, Nick, this one's for you. This is from Stuart Barkley. He says, how close do you feel Haynes 
is to England recognition. Of course, scored a double ton this week. Who didn't? Uh, given the struggles at the top of the order, feels odd how little attention his last 18 months have gotten him. Nick, your thoughts? He's had a very good last 18 months and didn't have much before that. So I can see why they've been... I'm sort of quite reassured that they've not chucked him in on the back of, you know, six months or what it was then. I think I think if he keeps on in the same vein for the next, you know, for the, for, I guess for the next three or four months, he'll, his name will certainly come up. And then I suspect if he can keep it going for the whole season, he'd probably find himself on a Lions tour or some description over winter. I think Rob Yates was probably the guy last year, wasn't it? He, I guess, had a fairly similar trajectory, but he was one that ended up on the Lions tour. And, you know, maybe there wouldn't have been a great clamour if it had been Haynes rather than Yates, but... No, I'm, I'm reassured they've not thrown him in because I think, I think as I said last week, I think, I think where, where I felt, where I've really felt for a lot of the guys is that they're being brought in with, I guess, not, not a huge amount, not a huge bank to fall back on. So, if he can have a year back with Pujara and Rizwan in that Sussex team, he's captain as well. You know, you'll be pretty well placed, won't he? And, um, and then I guess you go from there. But I'd, you know, it'd still be a massive risk to throw him in in, in June against, you know, in June or July in, in Test cricket, wouldn't it? So. You'd like to think they give him a fair chance to work out if he's, you know, for him to work out his game or anything before they, before they sort of throw him into that poison chalice, it were. Okay, and George, I've got two questions for you. Richard Dawson says, "Have the sanctions for Yorkshire now passed?" No, no, that's a misunderstanding. Uh, they haven't yet been charged, so basically they haven't been through the disciplinary process yet. That will happen. It's imminent. The club will be charged. Individual. Former players, players, coaches, administrators will be charged. It's it's absolutely imminent. There's some legal arguments to be progressed, but no, it will happen, and they will be charged, and they will be punished inevitably. See, I tell a new George's person to ask, and Will Calling says, "Does George still think Glamorgan should be replaced by an independent Welsh side?" I do think that's worth looking at. Yes, I I, I think that. Uh, uh, it's not a punishment, it's the way to optimise the development of cricket in Wales. Um, and while um, I don't want to be churlish about that win, that's a really good win they've just had. I think 18 of the wickets were taken by Australians, of one form or another, in the Glamorgan side. And I think that uh, Sam Northeast and Marcus Levishain aren't exactly boys from the Valleys either. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, this is not to be a punishment. Uh, uh, Wales could immediately start playing T20 cricket against, well, England, the touring side. They would be guaranteed funding by the ECB for 10 years or so. They would be guaranteed... I I would like there to be a four or five nations tournament involving England, Wales, Scotland, you know, Ireland, uh, several teams. Um, I think that could be played, say, on a bank holiday weekend. It'd be really, really attractive. Uh, It could even be given free to air. Uh, I think that um, it would be up to them what they wanted to do about first class and test cricket. Yes, eventually they would lose the ECB revenue share, but they would hopefully have other ways of doing it. I think it could be a way to inspire more people in Wales to want to play and follow the side. I think we've tried what we've tried for quite a long time, and I don't really think it's worked or is working. Uh, So it's not meant to be a punishment. It's meant to be a constructive way to optimise the development of cricket in Wales. Yes, I still passionately think that's worth looking at. I lo- do you know what? I love this show. Sometimes I'm, I know I'm supposed to be talking and giving my input, but I do find myself just listening at times. And uh, that was a, a joyous uh, couple of minutes. OK, that was the mailbag. All of your questions were answered. Get some more in. We'll do the same next week. Uh, but now we're going to have a little look ahead to, uh, what is it? Week three of the county championship. Match of the week. 
five matches in Division 1. Kent against Hampshire, Warwickshire versus Essex, Surrey versus Somerset, Lancashire against Gloucestershire, North Ants against Yorkshire. Warwickshire-Essex, perhaps the pick of those five, but George DeBell could we see the, uh, the return of some familiar faces at Old Trafford against uh, Gloucestershire? Well, you'd think that uh, Jimmy Anderson's going to get back in the side, is that, if, if that's what you mean. Yeah, I suspect he'll get selected, won't he? The old <laughs> fella? Yeah, I think he's got a Well, nor do I, for a fact. But, I mean, uh, presuming that, uh, yeah, it, it's the start of him making himself available. What, what did uh, Andrew Strauss said? He, he could, I, I can't remember what the expression was. Or was it Joe Root said, you know, he, he could show what he can do or something or, or, or make his case? <laughs> <or anything. laughs> anyway... Um, yeah, uh, that'll be an absolute nightmare for any batter who faces him. Jimmy Anderson with a point to prove. Nightmare. But brilliant. I mean, what an opportunity to watch a great in action. Get down there if you can. It won't last for very much longer. Um, and Joe Root, is he going to be playing? I mean, he won't play this week. But, of course, since we uh, uh, were last to air, he's stepped down as uh, as England captain. I reckon Goffey's going to be delighted, isn't he, Harmy? Yeah, I think you'll get him. I think Yorkshire play their next round of games at home. So I'd imagine Joe Root might turn out at home. Ben Stokes might turn out at home that week as well. I just, to carry on from the Lancashire game, what an attack that is. Jimmy Anderson, Saki Mahmood, Hassan Ali and Matt Parkinson. That's a uh, that's an attack. Um, so good luck, James Bracey and um, <laughs> Matthew Harris. You, you're off the back of hundreds playing on a test ground. Could be could be quite a challenge. Um, yeah, but it'll be good to see Joe Root back playing. It'll be good to see Ben Stokes back playing. Um, there's one or two that I think Broad might play up at Durham. I might pop and see Broad play at Durham if Broad plays there this week um, in obviously the second division. But that'll be the one I'm watching. I want to watch. I want to watch Young Bracey against if James. If we come on the show and James Bracey and Nick talks about James Bracey the way he talked about him this morning next week. Then I tell you what, that kid's got to be on the radar for England because if he goes and plays against Anderson, Ali, Mahmood, and Parkinson and gets runs, then England have to have a serious look at where this kid's playing. Where would he bat, Nick? Where 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 would James Bracey bat if he played for England again? I'd, I'd like to. Th- I mean, he'd never bat at number seven in his first class career when they asked him to do it against New Zealand. So I'd like to. Th- I'd like to th- let him do it where he's done it for Gloucestershire, which this season this season's been number three. I think the bars have done number four. He's back in the top four. He's you, you know, I'd, I'd say number. Th- I'd, I mean, number three would, you know, he's, he's obviously his own challenge. But at least you're giving the guy a chance in a in a position where he is familiar, which I think is, you know, you know, it's not. I appreciate it's not always a luxury that everyone gets, but I think you can give guys half a chance, kind of succeeding if you sort of put them in the roles they they're used to, which I think was, you know, not just him. He's he's far from the only one to have been sort of moved around. Dan Lawrence in India wasn't he? he was asked to do. Was Dan Lawrence at three in India? Or was he at? Like, I think he did do three once, didn't he? Did he not do it once? I think he did. Yeah, he did it once. He did three and he did five, didn't he? Same same thing. I think we could just, you know, I think it was talk that Dan Lawrence was the reserve opener in the West Indies, wasn't he? Because he'd done it once in 2017. You've got to give these guys an, an actual chance, haven't you? And and with some familiarity, with some understanding of the role you're asking to perform. So somewhere in that top order, I'd say. I mean, if you, you know, but as I say, I think we're quite, I think we're a long way off. That we're still in April, aren't we? So. And there are a lot of good, as we said... We don't know where Joe Root's going to bat now, do we? No, no, exactly. Is he still on number three? No idea. Exactly. And um, it might be that he doesn't captain, he bats at fours and he bats at four and he churns out runs at an average of 70 again and everyone's, you know, if they can find some runs around him, they're going to win some games. 
Uh, Durham against Nottinghamshire, Worcestershire against Sussex, Leicestershire against Derbyshire, Glamorgan against uh, Middlesex uh, are the Division 2 games. Harmy, why did uh, Durham not declare any earlier than they did against Leicestershire? I think the pitch was was pretty good. Um, the one thing it does that's tend to happen in the last four or five years at Durham is it starts off, obviously it has to start off a little bit moist, but it just gets flatter and flatter and flatter and and possibly they didn't feel as though they had the time to to bowl them out. I'm not I'm not 100 sure, but if they had been seven down, eight down, I'd have questioned it. But 180 for two tells you that everything that it doesn't matter. They could have declared four hours earlier and still wouldn't have bowled them out. So uh, the one thing I will say, young pots five uh, six wickets on. Hang on, in, hang on. Uh, Let's go to one to watch. One to watch. Let's just explain this this section of the show. Essentially, all four of us have picked one player that we're going to be following the fortunes of throughout the the, the, the county season, and and only yours played, Harmy, Ed Pollock, Dustin Melton, Mason Crane. Neither, or none of none of those guys played. But Matt Potts, who is uh, your guy to keep an eye on, did play, and I imagine you want to talk about his first innings bowling rather than his second. Yeah, well, that's <clears throat> that for me is what a bowler needs to go on is can you win matches for your team in the first innings by um, knocking a team over as especially as a quick bowler and he did he he got six wickets on what looked uh, you know a decent a decent cricket wicket I think it had both for bat and ball and he got top order wickets nicked people off he got a, a beauty to nip back LBW which showed he's got a, a little bit of pierce a little bit of skill and then at the end there was a couple of bounces there that that really intimidated and put the the the, uh, the the batters under pressure. So for me, it was a well-constructed six foot. Um, and I'm expecting big things from from young Potts. Once he gets cast back, I think that could be a, a decent bowling attack for that second division. Um, and it could really, really challenge. So I was pleased to see young Potts get um, get rewarded for, because apparently he's, he's put a lot of hard work in over the course of the uh, the close season. Brilliant stuff. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. We've done it. Instead of uh, an hour and a half, we've actually managed to do what we set out to do and discuss uh, about a billion different games and a a trillion different players inside 45 minutes or so. George, uh, Harmy and uh, Nick, thank you so much for your time. We'll all be back there this time next week, whether you're uh, uh, watching us on YouTube, on Steve Harmson's YouTube channel or on The Cricketer um, website or... You're listening to the following on podcast or um, on TalkSport 2. This has been Following On County Cricket. Well, that's it for another edition of Following On. Thanks uh, for listening. And if you ever have any ideas for guests or have questions for uh, the likes of Steve Harmison or Neil Manthorpe, feel free to tweet me at Fulham John or via at cricket underscore TS. And uh, either I or one of the team will make sure that your questions are read out uh, on the show at the earliest convenience. Also, please take the time to leave a review. And if you're already a subscriber, then tell your mates to do the same. And if you want more content from the likes of Steve Harmson, then head over to his YouTube channel and tell him I sent you. Thanks for listening to Following On. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to earn the Bypass All Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. 
the single most important thing is to work in the channelised bin bingo so the bypass will rise plug sale and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.